Alright, well I hope you guys can hear me. Um, I'm glad to see everyone here tonight. There's actually not anybody here that I'm not happy to see except for Brother Ray, but he walked out, so that's all good. <laughs> I've seen him here just a few minutes ago. Brother Ray's been getting, getting me into a lot of trouble lately, volunteering me for things that I didn't raise my hand for and stuff like that. Um, hopefully you can hear me well tonight. I know a lot of times I mumble quite often, so I'm going to try and stay straight. Um, if you guys are anything like me, you're very, very tired, so I'm excited to be here tonight. I'm sure you are too, but I'm excited because I know for sure that we're going to get out early tonight. <laughs> so that's one thing I know for sure, so I'm excited about it. And uh, you can be honest with yourself, it's okay. It's okay, I know you guys are excited. We're going to get out early because I'm, I'm preaching, it's all good. Get home and get some rest. Um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to start off in the book of Matthew. Um, but I have a lot of verses that I'm going to like to hand out um, as we get started here in a little bit. Um, but it's also uh, just an honor to be here, to be able to preach um, tonight and then for you guys. And uh, I also enjoy hearing Brother Jonathan preach and, and a lot of laymen like Brother uh, Jelani and things like that. And, and I, miss, I miss being able to be here on Sunday morning to be able to hear you guys preach, but I'm also over there in the children's church, and I appreciate all the staff that work in the children's church with me, and they, a lot of times they give up special Sunday mornings, uh, like for revivals, and when we have guest speakers, they give up those special times to be working in children's church. Brother Ray, shh. See, he, he always, he always. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, Brother Jonathan, can you do something about that, please? <laughs> Brother Jonathan, I do have a question for you. This, this little thing right here, I was sitting down looking at it. I was wondering if it was a button. Now I see that it's not. I was thinking maybe it's a button or something like that. Pastor presses when he tells a bad joke and no one laughs at it. He pushes his button and maybe the applause goes on or something. That's what I was thinking. Okay, it, it, it broke. It broke. Okay. Well, I have a joke for you. I have a joke for you. Um, it is school. School has started back up a couple of months ago and Funny things happen with kids and adults, kids and teachers, kids and preachers, kids, kids and instructors, whatever. There's a lot of funny conversations that happen. But here goes a conversation that was recorded about Jonah and the whale. One day, a teacher was talking to her first grade class about whales when a little girl had a question. The little girl said, do whales swallow people? The teacher said, no. Even though they are much bigger than a person, they have a throat. They have throat pleats that filter their food of krill and plankton. The little girl responded, but Miss, Miss Thruston says Jonah was swallowed by a whale. The teacher replied, getting angry, blue whales cannot swallow people, the little girl said. Well, when I get to heaven, I just ask Jonah if he was really swallowed by a whale. The teacher said, while still angry, what if Jonah went to hell? The girl replied, well, then you can ask him. <laughs> Push that button right here. <laughs> There we go. All right. Um, so before we get started, let me hand off a couple of verses. I have, I have a lot of verses. I don't think I'm going to read them all, um, but I will give them to you as, as we're going through this, so you can write them down if you want to cross-reference them or what or, or so. Um, Brother Jonathan, can you pull up Matthew chapter 7, verses 16 through 20? Anybody else have a Bible like to read out loud? Miss um, Cassie? Luke chapter 6. Verse 43 through 45. Miss Tina. 1 John chapter 3. 1 
1 John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. Miss Cassie, you had Luke chapter 6, verse 43 through 45. Um, let's see. I'm going to give you another one, Miss Cassie. Mm -hmm. That's right there in Luke. You see, last night I, I had texted Miss Jackie for some help, and she called me, and she was so willing to help me print out all these verses so I can just read them and not have to hand them out but I totally forgot to bring the outline with me and send it to her during the week. But I, I appreciate that, Ms. Shacking, greatly. So, uh, Ms. Cassie, the next verse is chapter, Luke chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. Brother Crook, can you read Matthew chapter 5, verse 42? Miss Tina, did I already give you a verse? That's all right. I think I think we'll stop there. Um, so I, I'm terrible with outline titles. I really am. But this title is is titled "Why Do Christians Dislike Christians?" And uh, I was a little nervous bringing this topic because there might be some things in here that um, some people don't agree with. Um, in my little knowledge of the Bible, there might be verses that, that I could have used better in application. And so I'm even more nervous knowing now that we're broadcasting this to hundreds of people. And so the backlash could be unpredictable, unpresentable. But nevertheless, we're going to get into this. Um, first of all, um, a question that we know for sure is answered. Why, do, why does the world hate Christians? The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 10, verse 22. I'm not going to read it. But we will, Christians will be hated for Jesus' sake. So we know that, and also in, in many different in portions of the scripture, the Bible tells us over and over that uh, if you're a Christian and you're living a Christian life for Jesus Christ, that you're going to be hated at times for the sake of Christ. And so we understand that question. But now this question here, why do Christians dislike Christians? And I'm going to repeat that again. Why do, I'm going to add the quotations. Why do Christians dislike Christians? And I have four points here, and we're going to discuss those really quickly. Um, when I say Christians, I'm talking about the person that a lot of, a lot of you know in life. Um, maybe they might be coworkers, family, relatives, friends, things like that. People who, who would consider themselves Christians, although they may not attend church. Um, they may not um, do anything for the cause of Christ. And a lot of times they have hard opinions about Christians in the church and the way that we conduct ourselves today. And there's a lot of valid statements that they give in, 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 their, in their justification of the way that they feel for Christianity today. But there also are some things that I wish that they would know our hearts. Um, I know me personally, I work around a lot of bizarre people at times. And uh, I'm fortunate, though, to be able to discuss Christianity with a lot of my coworkers and, and things of that nature. And so it's, it's allowed me to be able to have an open dialogue with them, to talk about some of the things that they dislike about Christianity and about the church, and to be able to express to them the heart of a Christian and, and why they might be misconstruing things or misinterpreting Christianity and, and, and so forth. So number one, point number one, we are, they're, they're, one of their biggest complaints is we are judgmental. Like Christianity and Christians itself are judgmental. That for some reason, 
we think of ourselves highly enough to be able to judge everybody and that uh, and, and they consider us to be judgmental. So in Matthew chapter 7, verse, verses 1 through 5, I'm going to read these verses really quickly and then we'll talk about them. Judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. So as we go through these points, um, I guess the, the first way I'm going to respond to this is, is kind of proving that crowd right. Because kind of saying they're right. Christians at times can become very judgmental people. Um, I've known Christians myself, and, and I grew up, personally, personally when I was younger, before I got saved into Christianity, I grew up disliking Christians uh, for some of these very reasons. And even until today, I know family that would consider themselves Christians who dislike Christians for these very reasons. Um, they, can, they consider us judgmental. And I know people in today's realm, um, members that go to sister churches that we know and things like that, who conduct themselves to seem very judgmental. Uh, there are certain people they will say hi to, certain people they will shake hands with, and certain people they won't based on their perceived notion of that person and how that person may or may not be living. And I think sometimes Christianity, Christianity is guilty of that. Not Christianity in a whole, but Christians themselves sometimes can become guilty of that. Now, on the other token, I do believe, and again, I may say something that, that you may not personally believe with, and if you don't, please come talk to me about it. I would like to, I would absolutely love to be enlightened. Like I said, um, my knowledge of the Bible is, is very little. I've never been to, to Bible college and, and things like that. So there could be something that I'm not aware of. And so if I say something that you don't agree with, please let me know, except for everybody that's on the podcast. Don't care what you guys say. Anyways, so um, they consider us to be judgmental. And at times, of course, Christians can become judgmental. We, we feel high and mighty. We feel important. We feel like we've been going to church and we've been reading our Bible and we feel... Um, we feel like we've overcome sin and that we have now the authority to be able to judge people who are, are, having, a, are having a hard time. We do uh, sometimes fall in those realms and we have, to, we have to have a proper balance. We have to, have, uh, um, we have to be conscious of, of how we show ourselves as Christians and how we walk as Christians and how we treat other people. But that being said, the Bible, throughout the Bible, multiple, multiple, multiple times, the Bible gives us examples on how the outward appearance of a person um, affects our opinions of them. As Matthew chapter 7, verse 16 through 20. And Luke chapter 6, verse 43 through 45.
So we've seen those couple of verses that I actually just recently we taught on, on um, the fruits of the Bible, uh, fruits of the Spirit in Children's Church. But in these couple of verses here, we see how the Bible is very clear in stating that as Christians or as people, we are a tree of life or a tree that produces a fruit. Whether that fruit is good or bad, um, it is also visible. So if I were to look at um, somebody and, and they're a representation of a tree, and as they grow, if they make bad decisions, if they get into sin, if they um, are doing wickedness, they're going to produce bad fruit. Now, if you're in the store, um, I hate going to the store, so when I go to the store to justify it, I call it the, I call it the I say that I'm going to go get supplies to make it sound a little bit more manlier. Um, sometimes that doesn't work, especially at Walmart. But a lot of times, you're in Walmart, and you're walking around, and you're, you're shopping around for, for strawberries and things like that, and you, over and over and over and over over again, you pick up the strawberry bin, and you see a rotten fruit in there, so you put it down. Pick up another one, you see rotten fruit in there, you put it down, just over and over. Many times I go in to buy a fruit, and I can't even buy fruit, okay? My diet is terrible. I need as many fruits as I can. I need vegetables too, but I haven't gone to that level yet. So right now it's just fruit. I need all the fruit I can, and it's just hard sometimes because there's not good fruit. Now, to be honest with you, we would be pretty ignorant to sit here and say, you know what, I'm going to go into the store, and the first container of fruit I buy, I'm going to take. I'm going to eat every single one of them. I'm not, I don't care if it's rotten. I don't care if it has a fly in it. I don't care if it's all mushy and, and juices spilling all over the rest of them. I just don't care. That would honestly be pretty ignorant. And a lot of times the non or the, the Christian realm, uh, those people who consider themselves Christians but don't, don't uh, attend faithfully and things like that, they would, they would want us to be ignorant and want us to ignore their lifestyle and want us to ignore the sins and the wickedness that they're getting into um, when the Bible clearly states that the fruit that they produce is visible. On the same token, if you're living a life of righteousness, living a life um, of Christianity, trying to serve God the best you can, you're going to produce good fruit, and that good fruit can be seen, and we see that God blesses that, and that uh, as Christians, that we are also supposed to bless that. Uh, you know, that's clapping and saying good job and things like that to those fellow Christians that are producing good fruit. So to those, to those people that would consider themselves Christians and and their, their first complaint is, oh, I hate Christianity. I don't go to church because they're judgmental, because people judge me. I feel like people are going to judge me, and, you know, things like that. Well, there is a little bit of truth to that. You're going to find some people that will be judgmental. You've got to remember that as Christians, we are trying to be like Christ. We are not perfect. We are not perfect at all. Um, but we need to try. We need to try to be conscious, like I said, in our, in our judgments towards people, and also very, very cautious in our judgment. Um, just because we commit a sin doesn't mean it's okay. It doesn't mean that it's a sin. Um, there's so many people who would say, you know, if, if they lie, it's okay. It's not a sin because it's just a lie. No, if you commit a sin, it's still a sin. The Bible says it's a sin. If I, if I just came in today and I saw a homeless man on the street and I judged him um, out of anger and hatred and, and sinfulness and I come in here and preach on it, it's still a sin. It doesn't make it... Okay, so we need to be cautious in, in what we do and, and how we judge people and, and to be careful not to get into a sinful judgment of a person, but to understand that uh, people produce fruit and that we can see that fruit and make an opinion based off of, off of the fruit in their life. Um, but we've got to use wisdom and discernment and great, great caution. Number two, we see that 
another, another great um, complaint from those Christian people is we don't help enough. Christian people just don't help enough. This week, or no, last week, I was working with a man who was new to the company, and uh, he was brought over by another guy who was also new, just started that week, and they, were, they go back many, many years, and they're good friends and stuff like that. Well, talking to this guy, come to find out he's actually almost a millionaire. Legitimately, he's almost a millionaire. He got rich off of Bitcoin, and he's, he's got multiple houses, multiple cars, and I asked him, you know, why are you still working? And he just says he likes to work, you know, so that's why he's there working, but he's a really down-to-earth guy, and um, I don't know why he's working, but he says he likes to work, so, um, but he's there, and I, and I believe him that he's, that he's a half a millionaire, and that's a, that, that fact is important for this story because I was talking to another coworker of mine about Christianity and, and some of his considerations on if he thinks that Christianity has multiple layers and multiple levels of Christianity. Um, and we were discussing that, and then he decided to ask this gentleman, um, and the second he asked him, I was like, oh, no. And so he asked him what he thought about Christianity. And so immediately he opened up and just started ripping Christianity up and down, saying how, how you know, he had a past experience with a pastor that had two cars, and one of his members needed a car, and the pastor wanted, did not want to give up his car. And he, he complained that, the, that Christians don't do enough to help people. Now, it's ironic because the very next day, I kid you not, the very next day, remember, he's rich, right? He's very rich. And the very next day, his friend that came over to the company with him, um, his friend is, is a Christian. He's professed to be a Christian as well. Um, his friend, I'm sure, felt like his entire world was being torn upside down. I believe his wife was just fired from the job that morning. Um, he was using a rental car that overcharged him and caused bank drafts that afternoon. And a little bit after lunch, his, he got a phone call that his children was just in a car accident. And so he left. He left work. And uh, at the end of the day, I was talking with the other gentleman, the rich guy, and he says, man, he feels bad for him, and, and he wished he could help him. And uh, he's got, he, said, he said, and I quote, I have the money to help him, but, and he stopped right there. And so we see that that same round that says, Christians, true Christians, the church doesn't do enough, they themselves also are not willing to put forth the effort and actually go up above and beyond and, and help those people in need. So I noticed a kind of a, a, double, a, double, uh, a double thought there, I guess, in, in, his, in his thinking that, it's, that he doesn't have a, a responsibility to help, but it's, also, it's only the church's responsibility to help. So in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18, you're going to read that in just a second. Just a second. Um, so we see his complaint, which is a valid complaint. At times, we church Christians get so busy uh, serving God, get so busy in our own lives, taking care of our children, going to work, uh, taking care of pets, just, just living the life that God has for us that we forget to stop and just help. Sometimes it's not always that guy that's broke down on the side of the road. Sometimes it's just that single mother at church that needs a little extra help during the holidays. Sometimes it's the elderly uh, family or, or, or person at church that needs just a little bit of help. Sometimes it's, it's that person at church that it needs, has an unspoken need and that Christians around them are not there to ask them, hey, do you need help with something? How's everything going? Sometimes we are guilty of that. 
Well, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, go ahead and read that. Miss. Another portion of Scripture, the Bible tells us to love one another as Christ also loved us. And that portion of Scripture right there, the Bible expresses how we ought to love one another. We ought not to love one another just by saying, good morning, brother, I love you. Good night, brother, I love you. Or if, or if a brother has a need, they say, oh, I love you, I'll pray for you, and go, you know, be on your way. The Bible expressly tells us right there in, that, in those verses to show our love for one another through deed is the key word there, through D. So if, you, if you're taking notes, just write down the verse, 1 John uh, chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. And on my Bible, as you're reading it, um, where, where it reads through those verses, I wrote down the word deed, or underlined it, where the Bible tells us that as Christians, we need to love each other through deed, through action, through helping. Another scripture, John uh, chapter 21, verse 17, it says, He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. This is the time, of course, where after Jesus Christ was, uh, was crucified and he came back and, and saw, caught Peter out on, on fishing. And Jesus went up to him and, and asked him and said, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? He asked him three times. At this time, Peter had, had backslidden and got out of the church. And Jesus asked him, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times. So apparently that was very, very important to know if, if, if Peter loved him. And so Peter finally answered and said, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. So Jesus says, Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. And again, right there, I wrote the, the word deed, action. Jesus wants us to prove his love to him through action, through helping other people. The Bible says there, feed my sheep. Jesus wants us to prove his love, prove our love for him through action. Um, who has Luke chapter 3, verse 7 through 11? You may read that. Again, we see another illustration of where the people, the multitude, was, was coming to John to be baptized. And, and John was asking them, are they worthy? Are they worthy? You know, um, trying to see if they truly had repentance, trying to see if they truly had salvation. And a lot of these people were the Pharisees uh, and the hypocrites of the time and the false, and the false priests at the time. And so um, John um, wanted to know for sure if they had true repentance, if they had truly received Jesus Christ, if they had truly a true love for them in his heart. And so one of, the, uh, one of the requirements that he gave them was, 
was a deed. They had to go and, and give to the poor. They had to give, if they had two, jo- two coats, they had to give one coat to the poor, and then, they could, and then John would baptize them um, as proof that they were truly saved and truly um, repentant to be baptized. You see, being a Christian comes with the responsibility that we do need to help. You know, so often we get, we get um, labeled uh, people that don't help uh, people a lot. And uh, we, we need to do more to help people. We need to be honest about helping people. Sometimes um, you don't have two coats. Sometimes you don't have the ability to help people. But if you do have the ability, we need, we need to be helpful to, to, uh, to people, to show, to show to Jesus Christ. And again, this may not be something that you might be personally struggling with, but it could be a good, a good response back to somebody else. I know, you know, early on in my Christianity, when people would would um, tear Christianity up and down and things like that. Um, early on, at, you know, at work, I would tell people that I'm a Christian, and they would kind of scoff and laugh at the fact that I'm a Christian because of their perceived notion of what Christianity is. And I had no reply. I had no way to reply to them. I had no, no rebuttal to what statements they were saying. But through going to church and, and things like that, through being ministered, I now have these replies to be able to give them. And so maybe you may not have had a reply in the past, to that person who's tearing Christianity up and down for these causes, but now you might have a reply to them to be able to tell them, hey, not all Christians are like that. Or maybe you see some Christians that are not being as faithful. Maybe you can share with them um, the responsibilities that we have. So did I give out Matthew chapter 5, verse 42? So we see there another commandment. The Bible says that if we have give, to give. Not turn them away, tell them to come back, but to give. If we have it to give. So we see a lot of times we get, we get accused of being, um, of not helping enough. And that's also, you know, a very valid statement. Uh, but at the same time, those same people that are accusing, of not, accusing us of not giving enough, they themselves won't give. But if you are a Christian and you, you, and you truly... Um, don't give enough. You truly have not given, maybe, maybe throughout the whole year, you haven't done something extra for someone. You haven't given some, something extra for someone. A lot, a lot of Christians come into church and say, well, I give my offering. That should be enough. Um, that should be sufficient. Well, I give to missions. That should be enough. That should be sufficient. But I'm sure all, every single one of us have met somebody who has been unfortunate and uh, has needed something at some time, and we could have helped them, but we didn't. And so if you're that person, maybe you should reconsider your actions a little bit and, and try to be more of a faithful giver to all to all people so the third point is we are fake that is a big one that's that is probably the biggest one that i hear personally is that we are fake christians are fake that's why they don't like christianity that's why they don't like coming to church we are fake not in the not in the accusation that we are fake in our salvation but in the accusation that we are fake in our action Although, in the, in the verse of the Bible, Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49, the Bible states us uh, this phrase, is, the Bible says, the people came to him in heaven, I believe, and then, let me turn to it. I don't want to misquote it. Luke chapter 6. So 
going to be Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. And the Bible says, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever come to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will shew, shew you to him, shew you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and digged, digged deep, and digged deep, and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon the house, and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built an house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and ruin of the house was great. This portion of scripture is talking about uh, salvation. Now, there's, there'll be many people who go to Jesus Christ thinking that they have salvation, but they do not. And the fakeness um, that I'm talking about is the fakeness in action. But this was a little side note that I, that I kind of came across in study. I'm sure I heard this before. It's actually a really, really fun thought to think about. If you notice there in the, in the first uh, verse 46, it says, Why call ye me Lord, Lord? Supposedly, like I said, I, I just found this out in study. Um, I'm sure I heard it before, but I haven't really been, been able to dig more deeper into it. But supposedly, in tradition, if a person were to say someone's name two times like that in a sentence, it's suggesting that they know that person on an intimate, personal level. Lord, Lord. Uh, we see an example in 1 Samuel chapter 1 through 10 where uh, I believe Jesus is calling Samuel, and Samuel gets up and thinks it's his dad and, and goes back to bed. Again, Jesus calls Samuel one time by his name and gets up and goes to his dad and thinks that, thinks that it was his dad and goes back to bed. And again, Jesus calls him for the third time, and that time uh, Samuel's dad tells him that it's the Lord when he calls you kin to respond to him. So Samuel goes back to his bed. And on this fourth time now, Jesus, uh, the Lord, calls Samuel two times by his name, Samuel, Samuel. And at that time, Samuel responds, and, and of course, God calls him to a great action. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 31, I'll get to that real quick because I don't really remember what that was about. I think it's Peter. Peter chapter 22, verse 31. It says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Lord says, Simon, Simon. At this time, Jesus is giving advice. It goes into a lot more um, story there, but Jesus is trying to give advice to Simon, so he's calling, them on a, calling him on a personal level, level, saying, Simon, Simon. Very interesting. So next time I'm studying my Bible and I see that double tap of the names there, I'm going to pay a little bit more closer attention to see what personal instruction Jesus Christ or the Lord might be giving. And, of course, there's also something for yourself to dig into and to see how truthful, I guess, this statement may be. Seems pretty accurate to me, but like I said, just pulled it up. It's a fun thought. Anyways, um, not in the fakeness of salvation, but in action. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, to examine ourselves, that we need to examine ourselves and uh, improve ourselves to know our actions, to know how we act and how we treat people in our life. As Christians, again, like I said, we get so busy just working for God, uh, working for God, working for God. Miss Tina, I'm sure when you go to the Philippines, you're going to be so excited to see your family and things like that. 
and, and you're going to kind of, I'm sure there's going to be someone that you probably walk, someone has their hand out ready to shake your hand and see you and then hug you, and you're going to walk right past them to go to your grandsons and things like that. And it happens. It happens a lot. It happens sometimes. And then I'm sure that person won't perceive you as being fake. I'm sure. But in churches here, churches today, a lot of times we come to church and we totally neglect to shake the hand of, of a visiting family, totally neglect to, to ask um, maybe a member how they're doing today or to say good morning to them. Um, and then sometimes those actions can lead to bitterness of that person feeling like you were being fake and that Christianity was fake. And again, there's, there's, pers- there's people I know personally who just cannot get over the fact that they got hurt long ago and they just feel Christianity in general is just fake and they just cannot get over it. They'll say, they'll say, oh, you go to church on Sunday and you wear a suit and this and that, whatever, but then during the week, you don't, you don't wear a suit and you live like this. And we've got to be careful on the way that we live. Um, I'm going to turn to, if someone could turn to Proverbs. Brother Jonathan, can you turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 22, 23, chapter 23, verses 26. So you, you have to know. You have to examine yourself. You have to know your actions. You have to know why, why are you coming to church? Why are you wearing a suit? Why are you not wearing a suit? Why do you pray for your food in public or out of public? Examine yourself. Make sure you're not doing something in fake. Make sure you're not doing something that you don't truly believe in. Um, the Bible wants us to examine ourselves. Um, Brother Jonathan, can you read Proverbs? Yes. Remember that we are constantly being an example to someone. And these next two uh, portions of scriptures, I believe, is going to be more talking more specifically about your children. But remember, not only your children are watching you, um, people around you are watching you, coworkers are watching you, um, your family members are watching you. It's been it's really been an encouragement to hear your stories, Miss Cassie, during the um, the teachers' meetings about your relationship with your friend and stuff like that, and seeing how. Your friend was watch, had been watching you, and finally she got what you had, and she felt the realness that you were showing. And so you have to remember that, that your actions is being watched not only by your children, but by people around you. And they're going to see the fakeness, and they're going to see the realness. So if you, you know, if you go to work on Monday, and you talk about how great the church was, and, and you start showing Facebook pictures and Facebook sermons and stuff like that, and then as you're showing them on your phone this Facebook lesson, you stub your toe and you start cursing, that kind of shines a fake light on you just a little bit. So be very cautious on, on what you do, how you act, what you say, and things like that, and examine yourself to know. Over here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 through 3, it says, Ye are, ye are our epistle, written in our hearts. An epistle is a letter written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifest, manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. The Bible considers us being epistles. We are a letter of the spirit. We are a direct example of the Holy Spirit of God in us. So make sure you examine yourself, watch yourself. Um, don't be cast down as a, as a fake Christian. I would hate to be a person 
that had made it hard for someone to accept Christianity. <coughs> Excuse me. I would hate to be a person, to be a stumbling block for someone in their Christianity, to be a stumbling block for someone choosing to get saved or not getting saved. And remember, most of the time, these Christians that we're talking about, most of the time, they truly do not have a, have a story of salvation. They truly don't have a story of salvation. So you could be that person to restore their faith in Christianity, to invite them to church, to share the gospel with them, to, to see them led to the Lord in salvation. You could be that person. Lastly, let me give you this point number four. I'm not exactly sure why I have this here, and there really is no scripture that I have along with it. SS. Just like ships have the title, SS name, SS Ulysses, SS whatever, um, Christians should have the title SS name, your name. The SS stands for saved. Every Christian should be saved. If you're a Christian, you should be saved. That should be the first thing. There is a difference between being saved and being a Christian. There's a big difference. You can be saved and not be a Christian, um, but you really can't be a Christian and not be saved. You, you got to be saved to be a Christian. So if you're not saved today, um, all these things that you're hearing in church and all these things that you're uh, around um, are only going to make you a better person in life, maybe, but they're not going to get you to heaven. You need to be saved. Every Christian, every being, every person needs to be saved. They need to feel and hear that convicting spirit calling them unto salvation to, save, to be saved from their sins. Um, number two, the second S is for surrender. It's for surrender. You know, I had, um, I had a personal story in my heart at church camp where, where I gave my, my heart to Christ in service and things like that, and then I can never find really scriptures to go along with the surrender point. And I heard a preacher preaching on it here. I don't remember who, but he himself also didn't find scripture neither. So there's really no scripture that goes along with it. But I'm convinced that every person should be saved, number one. And number two, you should have a time of surrender. You should have a time of where you've laid down your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we are, um, that we are dead in Christ, that we are not, that we are not our own. And, and I don't believe that God is a kidnapper. I don't believe that God is, is, a, is a thief. He's not going to take something that is not his. And we all belong to him, but I believe that we as Christians and we as, as people that, you know, Jesus Christ has given us free will, and we need to yield our life back to him. So through salvation, Jesus is saving us. We're not saving him. We're not saving the world. Jesus is saving us from our damnation. But in surrender, we are giving back to God our life to serve him. So every Christian should have SS Dominic, have SS Curry, SS Brother Crook. Crook, I don't know, bad last name for SS and Brother Ray. But everyone should have an SS and Brother name. You should be saved, you should be surrendered. If you're not saved, tonight get saved. Tonight ask about what is salvation? What is he talking about? Tonight ask, ask the question, what is salvation? If you haven't surrendered, I can't really help you with that. That's between you and God. If you haven't surrendered, maybe tonight will be the night that you surrender your life to God. You say, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Um, we taught in children's church a couple weeks ago, why does Jesus love us? Why does Jesus love us? And it's real simple. Probably the easiest lesson I taught him. Jesus loves us simply because he loves us. And we talked about how we love other people, how most of the time we love people because Maybe they first loved us. Maybe uh, they give us cupcakes and brownies and treats and things like that. Maybe it's because they buy us clothes and Christmas presents and things, and that's why we 
love most of the people in our lives. But Jesus Christ loved us, not because we did something for him, not because we got saved, not because we surrendered. Jesus loved us simply because he loved us. And so you having that story of surrender is you showing God that you love him back. Is you showing God that you love him back in action, moving forward in action. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you again for allowing me to be here tonight. Um, I'm absolutely more comfortable in Children's Church, and uh, we have a good time in there, but I appreciate being here and being able to, to share the Word of God, to share these thoughts on why, why Christians dislike other Christians sometimes. And I think it's important that this day and age that we have a response back to these people who would say that Christianity is fake, who would say that Christianity is judgmental, who would say that Christianity doesn't do enough to help people. I think it's important that we have a response and that we also examine ourselves to see if we might be guilty of some of these things that they, that they imply. Um, but if you say, Brother Dominic, the SS makes a lot of sense. But I don't have the first one. I don't have a salvation story. I've never been saved. Would you just raise your hand? And all I'm going to do is pray for you. I'm not going to come back and pull you. If you say, Brother Dominic, I don't have the second S. I'm S-less. Maybe right now where you're sitting, right now in your pews, we'll have a moment of silence in a second, then I'll pray. Maybe right now where you're sitting, you'll come to the realization that you need to surrender. When I got saved as, um, I believe, a 15-year-old, it was... uh, March 3rd of 2008, here at a revival. I got saved out of fear of hell. I didn't get saved out of a love for Jesus Christ, a love for God, a love of heaven. I got saved simply because I I realized that I was afraid of hell. And I decided to get saved so I can escape that. Then it wasn't until a couple of years later at church camp where I decided that I loved Jesus that only goodness will come through serving him. And so I surrendered. If you say, Brother Dominic, I've been saved. I had the first S, but I don't have the second S. Well, maybe at this, at this quiet time, at this time of silence, maybe you'll pray to Jesus Christ and just tell God that you love him. Tell God that you, you're thankful that he saved you. And tell God that you want to surrender all to him, just like the song says. My Father and my God, I thank you, Lord, for this night. Thank you, Lord, for the safety and protection, Lord, that you've given us here tonight, Lord. I thank you, Father, for speaking through me to these people here, Father. I thank you, Lord, for bringing me to the realization of the SS in my life, Father. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to be able to discuss Christianity with with people all around me, Lord, and to be able to see results from that, Lord, and to be able to defend the faith, Father. And Lord, I pray that that the words that I spoke tonight were not misinterpreted, were not misconstrued, were not uh, misguided. But Father, I pray, Lord, that these are words that came directly from you, Father. And Lord, I pray that it could have been an encouragement to someone, that it could give someone knowledge or um, some ammo in the pouch, I suppose, Lord, to be able to defend Christianity 
themselves when, when people rebuke Christianity and, and have awful things to say at times, Lord. Father, I pray that you be with that person that might need salvation. I pray, Lord, that you would bring their heart into a conviction, Lord. Father, I pray that you be with that person that might need surrendering, that might have surrendered tonight, Lord. I pray, Lord, and I ask you that you would be with their heart. Give them strength to serve you, Lord. In Jesus' name, again, I pray and I thank you, Lord. I pray that you be with our pastor. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.